Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to our Professor Roundtable on ChatGPT and OpenAI. Last week, Dr. Rob McDowell spoke with Jared Piles, Dr. Chris Miller, and Dr. Dan Sturkenberg. The panelists shared their own experiences with ChatGPT, their understanding of its capabilities, and they gave some advice for instructors as they interact with the tool in the future. This week, we resume our discussion by hearing our panelists talk about the rationale for using or not using ChatGPT in their courses. When I tell the students why I'm not letting them use it, it's because I want to develop your skills. You've got to learn to write and express yourself carefully here. And besides that, you are not at the level of an expert to know whether or not this thing has made leaps in logic for you. And this is, this again is ultimately why in business applications, this cannot be the final solution. Uh, I have a son, son son-in-law who works for international companies and they've toyed with putting JetGPT in for their customers and they Mm -hmm. determine at some point it will burn you. At some point it will kill you. It will give the exact wrong answer and your customers who depend upon you for accurate information will get the wrong information and it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little, now, not 2030. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little, little bit of pushback. <laughs> okay. A little bit of pushback. All right. All right. If a student in your OT literature class comes up and says, I really struggle with writing. I'm horrible with grammar. I'm horrible with organization. Mm-hmm. What do I do? What do you tell them? I tell them that you learn to write by writing. And I'm sure that they're, I'm sure, for, I, I know how you feel about this because as in their writing classes, you are using that to help them. But that's one of the problems I have when I, how big are your classes? How many students? 24. See, I have 307. Okay. You know what? What? Never. <laughs> and that's the problem. If I had a, if I had a smaller class and I had a ta- faculty teacher ratio such that I could guide them through would be one thing. I'm not expecting to do that. No, no I'm not I, suggesting that. And, 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 but, but that's why we need to talk about and say, why, why could one prof do this and another prof not? Because all those parameters make a difference mm-hmm. in how students are going to learn or not. What, what if there is a difficult doctrinal query that you wouldn't, you would say, I, I don't want you to do that. It seems like you would allow them to at least not form the whole paper mm-hmm. by ChatGPT, but they could ChatGPT a specific area that they're struggling with to understand and how to formulate an answer. Um, yes, uh, but, but what you guys are talking about here are specific problems that higher level students and classes articulate. W- what I'm working with is some of the lowest level, what is your response to the message of this book? And so I want it also to be not simply the right strategy or information, but I want a personal response yeah. uh, that goes deep into their hearts and minds and soul. And that's why I want it to be all from them at this level. I get that. Yeah. I get that. What I was hoping you would say in my original <laughs> question was I would tell them to go to the writing center. Or I would tell them to get a writing mm-hmm. tutor. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would say that's where you employ chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As far as the response, the personal response, absolutely. That's hundred percent them. Yeah. But as far as fine-tuning and as something on the side that they could use, I would employ ChatGPT. I completely agree with you. If they went to the writing center, then they would have that one-on-one care and, and, could, and could walk through it appropriately. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I think you're wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AI is very personal care. <laughs> yes, it is. AI, AI cares for you. Mm-hmm. I think well, that's what we can all agree let me, on. Let me let me say some things on Dr. Miller's behalf, if if he'll allow. Yes. So he did come into my office, and one of the things we've actually been toying around with, which we haven't mentioned heretofore, is mm-hmm. we took his writings on Ecclesiastes, which we were able to with ChatGPT4 and VoxScript, which is an add-on. Those of you who don't know what that is, and it basically scrubs all the YouTube closed caption files out there on YouTube. So you can get anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because YouTube auto-captions everything. So we didn't even load it with Dr. Miller's notes that he had. We just went to VoxScript. We went to YouTube. I told ChatGPT, I want you to pretend to be Dr. Chris Miller. We loaded it ultimately with the lectures. Right, mm-hmm. from from YouTube, from because me. you've been saving all your lectures and stuff right. to YouTube. So it just went out and it found them. Mm-hmm. And then it gave us a synopsis of Ecclesiastes. And what we wanted to do was to give students individualized tutoring so they could ask this in Dr. Miller's voice. A Chris Miller bot? A Chris Miller bot. <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> about questions I have about Ecclesiastes and how would it come out. Miller bot. I love it. Yeah. Miller bot. I love it. Yeah, so that that's, I mean, that's what we're toying around with. But what do you think of that? Well, Sorry, I, I'm taking I, over as host I, again, now. What do you I, think well, of that? I'm, I'm, I have competing interests because part of me wants to give the students that kind of individual attention. Can you imagine a student preparing for a test at a moment of truth and, and mm. having questions to ask and in years past would want to email or ask the professor, it's 2 a.m. and now you can ask the bot that has the foundation of the knowledge I want them to have and can formulate that. Now, that part excites me. The other part that doesn't excite me is there's a certain sense in which those students need to dig that information out from those lectures and work, but I don't know when I am contributing to learning and when I'm stifling it. Isn't learning mimicry anyway many times? Mm -hmm. So I I think we want synthesis, but there is mimicry going on. So Mm -hmm. I I guess I'm I'm leaning more towards what you would say, and that is let them use it maybe even at, at lower levels, but I, I only teach higher levels, so mm-hmm. I don't, don't really know how I would do that. Because let's say if the foundational issues, concepts, are not there in the freshman, sophomore year, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems like uh, we learn often by mimicry. We do, we do, but, but here, I guess this, I'll, I'll share with you one anecdote that maybe I've shared with you before. Um, this happened in a class of 12 weeks. There were essay questions each week, and uh, the first time I in, found a student using ChatGPT was when 12 weeks of homework, 36 questions, 36 essay questions had been answered in one night. <laughs> and I began to realize, now wait a minute, how did this happen? Wow. And so I realized that the individual had absolutely no knowledge of what had been written for her. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't digest it, obviously. No, no, I yeah. could it was just cut and paste. Mm. I mean, I told the story on a previous episode about seeing the student in Chuck's that was just copy questions and next tab, pasting it into ChatGPT, mm-hmm. getting the answer and copying the answer without reading right. question or answer. That's what this was, yeah. So yeah, that's basically mm-hmm. what it is. So uh, something maybe that'll help this conversation, maybe help us think differently about what learning is. Uh, um, I remember asking Dr. Chuck Dolph, you mm-hmm. all are familiar with Dr. Dolph. 
uh, he and I were having a chat GPT conversation and um, in the midst of it, and I don't want know what got me there, but I just looked at him and I said, so what's your definition of learning? And he quickly replied, change that endures. So learning is change that endures. And mm-hmm. I like that. I mm-hmm. like that short, pithy little statement. Mm-hmm. And I would have to agree with you, Dr. Miller, that having ChatGPT do some of the things that students are having it do in your class is probably not change that's enduring in their mm-hmm. lives. But I would say that's probably what you want. Yes. And in some of these other instances, I think it comes down to how you use it. You know, what your focus is on, on how you use ChatGPT, like any other tool, mm-hmm. right? All of us have to struggle with this, this whole thing, whether it's freshmen or seniors, have they engaged with the material? Mm-hmm. So that they've been able to internalize it, analyze it, understand it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going to make sure that it isn't just copy-paste. Mm-hmm. Whether the final assessment or result, which is a big project presentation, can't be just copy-paste. They've had to internalize it. So I think we have to be very careful that some of our final assessments of did they really get what they should have out of the Book of Esther or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. in my case, an analysis of um, Coca-Cola, that needs to be something that's not chat GPT. It could be that we're going back to blue books. I I don't know. I don't want Mm -hmm. to. I've heard that said so many times (laughs) the last two weeks, (laughs) going back to blue books. (laughs) I I think what's so valuable about your approach, though, Dan, is that you're training them to go into industry. Mm. And and, uh, and this. We, I don't know if you said this or somebody else said this, know where it came from, but w- will AI replace professionals? Answer, no. no. The professionals who use AI will replace those who don't. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree right. with that. So uh, we have another question. We talked about policy. You've, you've given your policy, and everybody knows, but a student violates it. What are you going to do? I found those to be some very fruitful discipleship interactions. I've always had those students into my office, and I found a whole spectrum of responses. Some people knew they were doing the wrong thing intentionally and were wrong from the beginning. Others had no idea. Well, I used Grammarly. I didn't know it used AI and were completely innocent of of the charges. And so that's why it was so important to have them in face-to-face and talk through the issues and explain why it was I had the policy and didn't want them to violate it for their own good. Okay. Well, it's, so carte blanche, it's a zero for the paper because it's plagiarism. Because, you know, when I teach writing, that's, you have to write, you know? <laughs> you can't just copy and paste chat GPT and be like, look, what, you mean I can't do that? Um, but having the policy up front and, you know, I, right now my students are using ChatGPT to help them grade, and I am having them underline where ChatGPT, where they're borrowed from ChatGPT, and have them give proper footnote that says portions of this paper are using ChatGPT. If I, I find that one wouldn't do that, it'd be the same as, you know, as them plagiarizing and saying, hey, this is a zero. Are you aware of the policy? It's in the syllabus and it's in the Cedarville University handbook. But then, but really having the one-on-one conversations, I think is, because it could be like when I taught high school, I had students plagiarize all the time and I lost my mind because I was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I come to find out the vast majority didn't know what plagiarism was. They mm-hmm. thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to kind of give grace and like you said, discipleship, but definitely give grace on the fact and go, are you aware of this? And, you know, from there you can offer them a retake or 
you know, I would either do a retake or say, if you're aware of it, then, you know, it's a zero. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, I do run into it and turn it in helps a little bit on that. So I just call them into the office. It's a time to talk to them and, mm -hmm. and explain what they did wrong and then change my, my expectation for the future with them in, in the sense that I'm going to be checking very carefully their work from then on out, mm -hmm. but they know that, and most of them all respond positively. Mm -hmm. So here recently, uh, because I feel like I should probably just put this in, he recently did have a professor reach out, had a very similar situation. But he was using Turnitin, and Turnitin has a AI checker. Now, the students don't see that score, but the faculty do. And so we were going back and forth about it. I asked him some questions, wanted to know what was his, his educational goal with it. He'd given that to me. And, and basically what I came up with for him was, you know, the AI score you will see it. You need to tell the students that you're going to see the AI score. If the AI score is not five or lower, then they're going to need to redo the, the paper until it gets a score on the AI uh, check through Turnitin that is five or lower. And they can do it one time without any grade penalty. Every time after that, that they have to do, you know, a change uh, to try to get it below the threshold, it's 5% off. And if they choose not to change any of it, then it's just a straight zero. Is Turnitin automatically checking for that, or do I have to flag something? It, it's auto I'm pretty sure it's automatically on, but it'll only show up in your report, so you actually have to go mm -hmm. in and look at the report, and there'll be a little bubble down in the right-hand corner. Didn't you tell me you thought it was like 2%? No, the the error rate is one percent. Okay, so, so there's one one percent or less. So false positive that that turn it in will give you. So if gotcha. you get a score of thirty, you know that at least twenty nine percent. Right, correct. Right. So and and the other thing too is, if they're going in and they're changing what ChatGPT gave to them, that means they're interacting with the information because mm -hmm. you can't just go in and change. This is the thinking behind why I made the policy the way I did. Mm -hmm. They have to actually interact with the information to make it legible. So, like, let's say it passes a score. You're still a teacher, and you're still reading their paper. If it doesn't make logical sense, you know, yeah. you grade it accordingly, right? But the reality is if they're, if they're fixing it so that it changes it so that Turnitin doesn't catch it, they're still interacting with the information. It definitely is a better level than just write it and then put it on, mm -hmm. you know, put it in a mm -hmm. paper and send it to Dr. Miller. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was the strategy behind that. By the way, I'm thinking of another thing. On my executive summaries, which are weekly, um, what I could do is say, I want you to produce an executive summary from your words. And next, I want you to run it through ChatGPT and give me a second executive summary that has been corrected by ChatGPT or Grammarly or whoever, and then maybe I get a feel of, we'll call it rough draft and final draft, yeah. mimicking really what is out there in, in, in the world, the business world. Yeah. I think that's really good. Mm -hmm. may have to, I just thought of that. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a good addition too. I think that's something to think through depending on the type of assignment. But like for this particular professor, it was one of those, you know, it's a personal reflection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean- you should be able to write your own personal reflection. Unless you're a foreigner. Well. Again, they struggle. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think 
you know, the tools and stuff that they've had access to. And some of those tools now, even with ChatGPT4, they have those plugins that will allow them to write in their own language and Mm -hmm. it will actually translate it into whatever target language you want. And it's really good. So uh, you'll have to tell me about these plugins. You have plugins for diagramming and... Mm -hmm. Wasn't that one called Show Me? Show Me. Show Me, yeah. It was for diagramming. And there's web pilot. There's too yep. many to 80, go over. Eighty six total plugins as of today. What are the What are the most helpful uh, kinds of things they help you do? Uh, I like Scholar AI, mm-hmm. which is it's another AI that pairs with ChatGPT, but it searches specifically. It goes out and it finds scholarly articles. So like the real deals in you know any open resources that it can find. It'll right. even search. By theological journals? Yes. Any journal that puts abstracts out and makes them, you know, exposes them to the mm-hmm. internet, it can find those. Oh, wow. And you can point it to specific ones. Yes, you and, can. And specific websites, which is really cool, because then you can just say, maybe uh, look at Alistair Begg in the Book of Esther versus John MacArthur in the Book of Esther or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go out there and scrub all the YouTubes and wow. all the... <laughs> oh, that's great. And so I can just... Google Scholar AI. Yeah, so if you have Scholar AI, VoxScript, mm-hmm. WebPilot, those are kind of the three that I keep turned on. What's mm-hmm. WebPilot? WebPilot actually, well, they had Bing and they turned it off because mm-hmm. it started doing things they didn't want it to do. Um, but it's kind of now what I use instead of Bing to to search current data. So like you can get to current website data and things like that. You okay. can ask it to go out and look at that because then- usually ChatGPT would tell you November. November. November or <laughs> September 2021 was the last time, and I don't know yeah. anything about right now. So mm-hmm. Scholar AI and the name of that one was? Uh, WebPilot. WebPilot, okay. Yeah. So to synthesize all this and put it together, kind of what was said, it, it sounds like you all are saying, faculty, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. You will need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it up front. Be clear. Don't be afraid of it, but use it for what you need to or what you don't. And be clear about what you're trying to accomplish in your class. Is that fair? Yeah, and experiment with it. Mm-hmm. As, as we all do as professors, right? We have something new that we want to try out. We'll try it out in a course, experiment with it, see what works, what doesn't, and then proceed to the next semester. I, I completely agree. I think you guys both said it very well. I think it's an exciting time to be in education to think how we can use this to help our students prepare for the future. And it's not something that we should be afraid of or wring our hands about, but jump in and utilize it in the best way to promote learning and train our students. I think it's a great time to teach responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we think that our higher ed students come in with that already in place, but the reality is they don't. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great opportunity for them to not just chat GPT specific, but in general, learn responsibility and critical thinking. And I think chat GPT can help with that. Well, I think that's it for our time here on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Transform Your Teaching here at Cedarville University. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu 
forward slash focus blog.